You're listening to the GKM Church Sermon Podcast. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. There we go. Do you believe God is going to speak to you this morning? And so this morning, we want to continue from last week. Last week, we covered a lot of ground. Do you remember last week? How many were here with us last week? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're here. Okay. So I'm going to recap just for those who weren't here just very quickly. We talked about how there is more than what meets the eye. There is more going on in this world than meets the eye. There is a spiritual realm that is more more powerful than the physical realm. The spiritual realm is actually influencing the physical realm. There is more to your social media. There is more to this culture and politics than than just the leaders that you see in front of you, more than algorithms on social media. There is forces and darkness working to influence leaders, influence decision makers, Influence our culture. So there is more than what meets the eye. There's things going on. There is a spiritual war going on. The kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. There's a spiritual world that is just as real as our physical world. And we have an enemy. And do you know his name? His name is Satan. And at one time, he was one of God's most beautiful angels known as Lucifer. But he wanted to be like God, so God kicked him out of heaven. He fell like lightning. There was no match. There was no contending against God. He just fell like lightning out of heaven because he wanted to be like God. And one-third of the angels followed him. And so now he's organized this one-third of these angels to be demonic forces that obey his every command. And so there was five ways, we talked about, we looked at five ways that Satan and his demonic forces wage war on us. First, Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. Second, Satan steals God's word from you. Third, Satan sets traps to take you captive. Fourth, Satan fights to stop the work of God in your life. Fifth, Satan plans to destroy you. So we know these are his schemes, his strategies to trap us, to destroy us. He's like a prowling lion, yet he's sly as a serpent. So how do we contend against him? How do we fight against him? Well, we have access as believers to divine power, and his name is Jesus. And we looked at how Jesus is far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named. So we don't fight for victory, we fight from a place of victory. We declare God's word, we declare God's word over our situation, we declare God's word over the enemy, we declare who we are in Christ and whose we are. And we don't fight with our power. We're not strong enough. As strong as we think we are, we are not strong enough to fight, so we fight in the authority of Jesus. 
We have the authority. We are covered by his righteousness. We are covered by his blood. And we fight with the authority of Jesus. He has given us authority. He has divine power. He is over all things. All things submit to him. So we go in the name of Jesus. We are his representatives. We are his ambassadors. So we fight from his authority, not our own. So today, I want to take a look and talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Because we fight this spiritual battle with the authority of Jesus and with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and he is essential. He is absolutely necessary to live a life that God wants us to live. God wants to fill his children with the spirit of God so that we can live supernatural lives. So when Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure, this is what he says. And I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper. So I want you to notice in John 14, that helper, that's a capital H, helper, that he may abide with you forever. So who is this helper? Who's going to abide with us? He says, the spirit of truth. So the helper is the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. So non-believers, they, they can't know or understand the Holy Spirit. They can't see him. They can't perceive him. They can't feel him because the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned. And those who don't know Christ aren't born of the spirit. So they are spiritually dead. So they don't know the Holy Spirit. But to his disciples, Jesus said, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. So these Words of Jesus teach us a lot about the Holy Spirit. And first of all, I want you to notice the pronoun he uses. Pronouns are a hot topic these days in this age. And pronouns matter to God. Look, he, he calls the Holy Spirit, he or him, over five times in this one passage. So the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit isn't the goosebumps you got during worship. The Holy Spirit is a hymn. It is a person. It is not a motion. And yes, someone might be passionate about Jesus. Someone might show emotion. I'm a very passionate person. I'm showing emotion now. But that doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not emotion. Now, Holy Spirit might cause you to have certain emotions because he is with you. And he is in you. So when you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, he'll reveal the love of Jesus. And you might be overwhelmed with that love of Jesus. And that will give you peace beyond all understanding. That will give you joy. But he is not a feeling. He is not an emotion. He is a he. He is a person. He is a third person of the Trinity. And then he says, Jesus said, not only Will the Holy Spirit be with you? But here is what is truly amazing. The Holy Spirit can live inside of you. The Spirit of God 
can live inside of you. The very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can live inside of you. And that's how we relate to God. That's how we are able to talk to God. That's how we are able to hear from God. If you are a spirit-filled follower of Jesus, you are no longer a natural person. You are spirit-filled. You are a supernatural person. You have supernatural abilities. I was thinking about the disciples, and imagine the disciples, for three years, they walked and talked and had complete access to Jesus. If they had a question about life or about their future, they just went to, Jesus, I have a question. If they had a need, oh, Jesus, we need food. Oh, I'll just multiply you know, these fish and bread and feed everybody. If they had needs, they went to Jesus. How amazing would that be? When they were facing opposition, they, they went to Jesus and they hid behind Jesus. And Jesus would speak to the, the religious leaders and And he had such wisdom, and they needed wisdom, so he was there to provide that. Imagine that access. And some of us, and sometimes we read through the Gospels, and you, you think, I wish I was there. I wish I could just go and talk to Jesus. But Jesus tells us there's something better. Jesus said in John 16, 7, it is to your advantage to your advantage. One translation says, it is best for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. See, it gets better. Jesus said, it gets better than having access to me. You can have the Spirit of God living inside of you. You have questions, you have concerns, you have needs. You don't have to come to me. You have to look to the Holy Spirit. He is within you. You now don't just see the supernatural work of God coming through Jesus. The supernatural work can happen through you. That's better. That's to our advantage. We can possess the very power of God in us through the Holy Spirit. He will give you power. He will give you power. The Holy Spirit fills us to give us power. So what does this power do? I want to look at this morning five things that the power of the Holy Spirit does in your life. First of all, the Holy Spirit gives you power of salvation. We'll start there. The Spirit of God draws you to Jesus. Not persuasion, not good works, not money. It is the Holy Spirit that draws you to Jesus and reveals him to you. You're supernaturally drawn to Christ and he opens your eyes up to Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's how you're saved. Jesus was having a conversation one time with Nicodemus. And I don't know if you know this story. It's a very famous story. Nicodemus was, found Jesus in the night. He didn't want all of his religious buddies. He was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. He didn't want all of them to know that he was going to meet with Jesus. So he snuck away. And in the middle of the night, he goes and he starts talking to Jesus. 
And he's asking about spiritual things. And Jesus is like, hold on, hold on, hold on, friend. For you to understand these spiritual things, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, born again? What do you, what do you mean, born again? I was already born once. I can't go back into my mother's womb. And so then Jesus replies to him and he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. In other words, your mom gave you a physical birth, but your heavenly father will give you a spiritual birth. You can be spiritually born anew. When you invite Jesus into your life as Lord and as Savior, all your sin is gone. Your sin is wiped away. It's cast away. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you and makes you spiritually alive. And you become a child of God. You become a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And then you have a new family. You're a part of the family of God. So spiritually, you're dead. And then you're made alive. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit coming and living in you. So I, I was thinking, but how do we know? How do we know we're part of this family of God? How do we know that, that we're accepted by the Heavenly Father? And so I, I went and I asked my kids, I was like, how do you know I'm your daddy? How do I, you know I'm dad? One of the things that they said is, well, because you live with us. I was like, okay, that's good. That's good, that's good, yeah. I live with you, you know I'm your daddy. How do you know someone else isn't your daddy, but I'm your daddy? Another thing that came up was, well, you've told us. You've told us you're our daddy. It's like, that's right on. So you know I'm your dad because I live with you and because I've told you. Well, that's exa exactly what the Heavenly Father does. The Spirit of God comes and lives inside. How do we know we're part of the family? Because the Spirit of God lives with us. And then he tells us, scripture says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the spirit of God, the power of God that leads you to salvation, and we're made, we're made new, new creation, we're born again, he will begin to speak to you and he will begin to say, you're mine, you're my child, you're a part of a family. And then you have the assurance of the Spirit of God that you are part of something bigger than yourself. You are a part of God's kingdom. But Satan is waging war. He's waging war on us. And we learned last week that he blinds the minds of unbelievers. But let me tell you, there is power, the Holy Spirit, that unblinds, that makes us see the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first and best thing that the Holy Spirit does is give us salvation. It is a gift from God that no one can boast. So salvation is a work of the power of the Holy Spirit. So another great thing he'll do, number two, the Holy Spirit gives you power to walk in God's will. When you don't know where to go or what to say or how to make it through the day, the power of the Holy Spirit 
will guide you and will lead you and will walk you through each and every day. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 14. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the disciples were worried. After you go, what's going to happen? How are we going to know what to do? How are we going to know what to say? Well, the Holy Spirit will come. He will teach you what to do. He will teach you what to say. He's your teacher. He's your counselor. He's your guide. He's your helper. He will lead you into the will of God. And I was thinking about this band this morning. There is a lot that happens up here. These guys are amazing. I just want you to know, they are gifted people on our stage. And did you know every single musician up here is wearing an earpiece? You might see it coming out one, sometimes. They pull it out and put it in. They're all wearing earpieces. And there's a mic over here, right here. And Edgar, wave Edgar. Edgar, the band director, He's actually speaking into the mic while we're all singing, and we have no clue what's happening there. He's actually speaking into the mic, and everyone's hearing him on the band. And there's a click going to keep them on beat. And there's him talking. He goes, three, two, one, now. And they'll start, and then he'll go, now. And then, course, bridge. I don't know all that he says. Help me out, Edgar. What do you say? I'm not a band director. But he's speaking and he's guiding so that together in unity, it makes a beautiful song that we can sing together. But there's a lot going on. But see, I, I tell you that because that's like the Holy Spirit. We're going through life and it's like Edgar talking to the band. The Holy Spirit's just guiding us. These little nudges, go here, do that, stop. No, 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 don't. that's a trap, that's a trap, don't step on that. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us throughout the day, guiding us. If we'd be just sensitive and in tune to his voice. Because Satan's waging war on you and he wants to trap you. He wants to destroy you. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, guiding us each step of the way. There's been so many times... Or the Holy Spirit will bring to my mind a name. Sometimes I'm just, I'm working at my desk and, and then the Holy Spirit will just drop someone in my heart and, and I'll, I'll pause what I'm doing and I'll just get an urge to call this person. This has happened many times to me. I'll just get a call to urge them. And right there I have a decision. Do I listen to that prompting of the Holy Spirit or do I get what I have to do done? And it, whenever I pause and I listen to that prompting and I pick up that phone, I find that person's number and I call them and I just call them and I say, hey, you're just on my mind. I, I'm just checking in. How are you doing? And I'll tell you more that times than not, by the end of that conversation, they'll say to me, Pastor Ben, thank you for calling. I needed that today. You don't know what I've been facing. I was wondering if God even cared, but now I know. It's listening to those promptings and he will guide you and lead you into your calling. He will guide you and lead you into his will. It is step by step. You follow the voice of the Spirit. And so many people want to have it figured out. 
What's God's specific will for my life? Isn't that what we long for? Is a road map to every decision we have to make and where God is taking us and we want to see the end game? You, you won't get the road map. But let me tell you a little secret. Pro tip. If you listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he will lead you into the will of God. Don't be concerned about the big picture. Be concerned about each moment. Each moment where the Holy Spirit is leading you. Because if you listen to the promptings, if you listen to each step, you'll be amazed. You'll look back and be like, wow, you've taken me so far, Lord. I don't know where my future outcome will be, but I trust you. My life is in your hands. I depend on you. And it's step by step listening and obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So do not be led by your faults. Do not be led by your fears. Do not be led by your emotions. Do not be led by your desires, but be led by the voice of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you believe he's guiding you? So he'll give you the power of salvation. He draws us to Christ. He'll give you the power to walk in God's will. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to live a holy life. When the forces of darkness want to tempt you into sinful lifestyle, the power of the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to live a holy life. Scripture says in Romans 8, those who are dominant... dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things for those who are controlled by the holy spirit think about things that please the spirit so before a person knows christ it's easy to be dominated by sinful thoughts I mean, it's okay to yell at your spouse. It's okay to think lustful thoughts. It's okay to experiment with drugs. It's okay to sleep around. It's okay to wear whatever you want and show off whatever you want. Because you're not in Christ. You don't have the Spirit of God living within you. And all those things seem okay because without the Holy Spirit, you have no true standard of what is right and wrong. What is holy and what is unholy. What is pure and what is acceptable. Without the Holy Spirit, our moral compass, our standard of what, what is right and what is wrong is dependent upon our culture, our context, and our upbringing. But there is a greater standard we are to live by. There is a creator who is righteous, who is holy, who is pure, who is true. And we are created in his image. So the Holy Spirit reveals to us who he is, what he's like, so that we can become who we are created to be. So we become like him. He teaches us what's right and what's wrong. He reveals truth to us, and he gives us the power to live a holy life. His spirit renews our mind, and we start to think about things that please him instead of about things that desire the desires of our flesh. Scripture goes on and says in verse 6, 
If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. So you will be controlled by the Spirit or you will be controlled by your sinful mind. And before you are a follower of Jesus, sinning can be a lot of fun. It, you know, there's a lot of pleasure and you, you don't think you're doing anything wrong and there's no conviction and there's no, no feeling guilty or feeling bad. But as soon as you have the spirit of God living in you and you go and you try to do some of those things, the spirit of God will convict you. Be like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I don't know, have you ever tried to do something and you, you see other people having fun and enjoying themselves and, and you're doing it, but deep inside you're like, ah, I'm not enjoying this. I shouldn't be doing this. I know this is wrong. That is the Holy Spirit in you convicting you to live a holy life. Before you know Christ, it's almost impossible to step out of some sin because there's such a spiritual battle going on. The forces of darkness against the forces of light. But when you are filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will convict you and show you a way out. There's always a way out of your sin. When you follow the Holy Spirit, he leads you towards holiness. Every day should be a step away from sin and a step towards God. Being transformed from glory to glory. Listen, I want to explain this. Our goal isn't just to obey a set of rules. That's not what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in your life, just to get you to obey a set of rules. The Holy Spirit is trying to allow you to become like Jesus. The goal is to be transformed from glory to glory, to be transformed into his image. It's not to follow a, a set of rules. Galatians 5 says, then, we have fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is a result of walking with the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit. And Galatians 5 it goes on to say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires. See, it comes from the Spirit that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. There will be, always be a battle in you. The demons, the forces of darkness, the temptation of, of the flesh. There will always be that temptation but the Holy Spirit will give you the power to live a holy life, to live righteously, to fight temptation. And the more you say yes to the Holy Spirit, the easier it becomes to say no to temptation. Every time you say yes to the Holy Spirit, it fortifies that conviction in your heart. And every yes to the Holy Spirit over temptation is a win. And every win is a victory. And every victory strengthens you for the next battle. Now, I, I just want to pause before going on to the next point because I want to give you some advice. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do not resist the Holy Spirit. 
Do not resist direction. Do not resist the voice. Do not resist the conviction. When you know the Spirit's prompting you, when he's speaking to you, when you feel deep within the spiritual direction and you can't explain it, but you know God wants you to do something, do it. Because at the moment you have a choice. You can obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit or you can say, "Ah, I don't know, is this really God? Is this my own thoughts or is this something influencing me? I don't know, is this God? uh," And continue your way. One time I was driving down the road and I may have a heavy foot from now, from time to time. I was going a little over the speed limit. I was late for a meeting. And I felt a prompting in my heart. Ben, slow down. You're going to get a ticket. Ben, slow down. You're going to get a ticket. And I started, it's like, Lord, but, but you'd rather me keep people waiting? I, don't, I value people. I value their time. I don't want to keep them waiting. And I started justifying, excusing my, my speeding with the Lord right there in that little conversation. And sure enough, a kilometer down the road, cop with a radar gun. Pulled me over, got a ticket. And you know what? I didn't even care about the ticket. Driving away, I began repenting. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. I'm sorry I resisted you. See, he cares even about the small things. He wants to protect us. And he'll warn us about things. He'll convict us about things. And I didn't even care about the ticket, the demerit points, the money. I, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I don't want to resist you. I want you, your voice to control me, even in my speed. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. When, when Stephen was giving his famous speech before he was stoned, he said, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestor. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Think about it this way, just as an example. My wife Diane's right here. I love my wife Diane. Give it up for Diane. She's the most beautiful woman in the room. Sorry, ladies. She's kind. She's generous. I learned so much from her. And I want to spend as much time with her as I can get. When something exciting happens in my life, the first person I call is Diane. When something hurtful happens in my life, first person I call, Diane. She's my go-to. I love spending time with Diane. But what would happen if whenever I called Diane, it went to voicemail? What happened if she began to ignore my calls? Or what happened if I was trying to plan a date night and, and she kept putting it off, oh, not tonight, not tonight, not tonight. What happened if she kept resisting me? Well, I would slowly, well, she doesn't want to spend time with me. She doesn't want to talk to me. So I'd slowly and surely stop calling. Something exciting happens in my life. I, 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 well, she doesn't really care. She's not going to pick up. Or uh, should I plan something for us to go? Oh, she won't want to come. It will just get moved. I'll stop reaching out. See, when we resist the Holy Spirit, you can hurt his feelings. You can hurt his feelings. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. And the the Bible says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. See, you can resist the Holy Spirit. And the more you resist him, the less he will speak to you. And when you quench the Holy Spirit, it's like pouring water over a fire, just putting it out. And if you're 
sitting here and you're like, I haven't heard from the Holy Spirit in a while. Or I would, I would question it. Have you been resisting him? Have you been putting him off? If you're not sensing the direction of the Holy Spirit, if you're not hearing his voice in your life, perhaps you have quenched the Holy Spirit. If you are not on fire for God, every believer that is spirit-filled should be on fire for God. If you're not on fire for God, I have to question, did you quench the Holy Spirit? Did you put out the, whole, the fire? Because it wasn't him. It wasn't him. Fourth, the Holy Spirit gives you power to make a difference with spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit will give you certain spiritual gifts that you don't have the power to do on your own. They're gifts from God. They're directly from him. They are spiritual gifts that will empower you to make a difference in this world. Hebrews 2 says, but God also testifies to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So God will give you certain gifts, certain abilities, certain talents that are from and by the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what these gifts are, jot down these two scriptures. I don't have time to read them this morning. 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. There's lists of the gifts of the the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you certain gifts and God might give you wisdom. Wisdom's a spiritual gift. He might give you divine understanding into a situation that you know exactly what's going on and exactly what to do next. It's a spiritual gift of wisdom. He might give you discernment. You might just be able to discern about certain places or certain people. You can discern the the spirits that are there. You can discern what they're going through. You You have this discernment. You can't understand it. You can just discern the motives of people's hearts and you just have that discernment. Or there's prophecy. Perhaps you can read scripture and you can... You know how to apply scripture to a season or a scripture to to someone's life and you know how a scripture can be applied to someone's life in that moment, in that situation, in that circumstance. That's prophecy. Or they're speaking in tongues. There's the interpretation of tongues. There's serving. Yes, serving even is a spiritual gift. And some of you just love serving others. You love helping out. There's the gift of helps. You just love helping. And it blesses you to help others, and others are blessed by it. Or there's encouragement. People just love being around you, and you love making people feel better when they're down. There's encouragement. There's administration. Some of you know how to organize things. There's evangelism. That's a gift of the Spirit, evangelism. Some people have the gift of evangelism. They can talk to anybody about Jesus. I'm amazed at Pastor Tammy. She can go to anybody on the street and start a conversation about Jesus. And that's a, that's a spiritual gift of evangelism. And there's mercy. Some of you just empathize with people and, you know, you just cry with someone and they feel better. There's teaching. Some of you can understand scripture and, and, and teach. And God will give you these supernatural gifts to use within the church and to make a difference in this world. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. 
You hear that? Each of you. Every single person that is a believer in Jesus Christ has a spiritual gift. That includes you. You have gifts from God, whether you recognize it or not. And they, they might seem a little supernatural, like prophecy or discernment or speaking in tongues. They might seem supernatural, but some of them are very natural and practical too. But you have a gift and you have something to offer because what are they given for? This is what the scripture says, so we can help each other. You have a spiritual gift to help me. I have a spiritual gift to help you. God has given you gifts to be a blessing to his church. He has placed in you and entrusted you gifts to be used in his church. If this is your home church and you're not using your gift, there is something that God wants to do that's not getting done because he wants to work through you. He's gifted you with spiritual gifts to make a difference in his church and in his world. But the enemy wants to stop the work of God in your life. And so he'll make you feel disqualified. He'll make you feel like you have nothing to offer. He'll make you feel like you're not valued. He'll isolate you. Don't get involved. Just sit. It's a big church. They don't need you. That is lies of the enemy. You are wanted. You are valued. You have a purpose in this body. If this is your home church, you have something to give back. And if you're sitting there, there's something that God wants to do that's not being done. God is calling all of us to be contributors and not consumers. If this is your home church, your spiritual gifts need to be actively working to help the entire church. So you need to get plugged in. You need to get plugged into a small group. You need to get plugged in because not everyone's spiritual gift can be active here on a Sunday morning like this. It can't. It's impossible. It would be chaos. And Paul talks about having order when we gather together. But in a small group, that's where you can activate your, your spiritual gift. And that's where you can grow in your spiritual gift. Because you can, you can encourage the others in your group. You can have mercy with the others in the group. You can teach the others in your group. You can help. You can be hospitable. Have them over to your house. Maybe you are not a leader, you don't, but you're a hospital and you want to just host. Well, you can host a small group and you can be active in your spiritual gift and be a blessing to the body. So I encourage you to get involved. If it's not in a small group, in a ministry, in Sunday school, Somewhere, get involved. Activate your spiritual gift in this body. And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, we have a class for that. And serve at GKM. And the Pastor Andrew goes through a spiritual gift assessment. And we come alongside you and help you identify your spiritual gifts so that you can be placed in ministry, so you can be active, and so you can be a blessing, and so you can be a part of the family. You know, in a role of family, everybody has responsibilities. Everyone has responsibilities. We cleaned the house Saturday. It was cleaning day yesterday. And everybody had to pitch in. The kids had to clean their rooms. The kids had to wipe the windows. The kids had to dust the blinds. They had, we all had to pitch in. See, as a family, we are a family here. We all have to pitch in to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. So get involved. Activate your spiritual gift because they are from the Holy Spirit, and it is a power that you have. It is a supernatural ability that the Holy Spirit gives you. Tap into that. Fifth, 
The Holy Spirit gives you power to share Christ boldly. He will give you the power, he will give you the wisdom, and he will give you the words to share Christ boldly. And I know many really get nervous. Not everyone has that evangelism gift, but we are called, we are commanded to share Christ. And so, but there's a lot that get nervous and they're intimidated and they don't know, what am I gonna say? How am I gonna start the conversation? Or what if they ask me something about the Bible that I don't know? I don't know if I can share. And so we hold back. But can I remind you of Peter? Remember Peter, before he was filled with the Holy Spirit, when Jesus was arrested, he was around a little fire staying warm, and there was a servant girl there, and the servant girl, hey, don't you know Jesus? And he didn't have enough courage to tell this little servant girl that, yes, I know Jesus. He didn't even have enough power to do that. But then we see in Acts 2, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he has the power of the Holy Spirit. And he stands up in boldness and confidence. And he declares, not only does he know Jesus, but he believes in Jesus. He believes in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he had a boldness to say, you all need to repent. He didn't care who he was offended. He didn't care if people rejected him. He didn't care if he was thrown into prison. He had the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit. And do you know what? 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people got saved that day. It was a very simple message. But he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. See, that's the difference. That's the game changer. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it is better that Jesus had to ascend to heaven. It is for our benefit. You may think when you're approaching someone, I don't know what to say. But when you have the Holy Spirit and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be talking to someone and the Holy Spirit will just put in your heart, say this. Or the Holy Spirit will put in your heart, ask this question. The Holy Spirit will put in your heart, this is what they're going through. Empathize with them. And that will open up opportunity. And so the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you what to say. If you listen to the promptings, and you'll be like, where did that come from? And then you'll share a scripture, and you're like, where did that scripture come from? You didn't even know you knew that scripture, but somewhere along the line, you heard that scripture, and now the Holy Spirit is bringing it to your mind so that you can share. Some of you have been so afraid to share because you don't want to be rejected. But remember the first point. Salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit's responsibility. It is your responsibility to proclaim the good news, to declare the good news, but it is the Holy Spirit's responsibility to reveal Jesus to that person. And so if if they do reject the message, it's not you they're rejecting. It's not you they're resisting. Our fight is not against flesh or blood. They are resisting. They are rejecting the Holy Spirit. Did you know even the Apostle Paul, he was insecure about some of his preaching? The great Apostle Paul was insecure 
about his speaking. In 1 Corinthians, he says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. See, in other words, he's saying, my abilities weren't that great. I'm not an incredible speaker, but when I opened my mouth, the Holy Spirit came and began to do a work in your life that I could not do. And that's what I love about proclaiming the good news. That's what I love about teaching the gospel. That's what I love about proclaiming the gospel. Because when we open up our mouth and preach scripture, the Holy Spirit takes my words and he personalizes it to what you're going through. I don't know what each of you are going through. I don't know what each of you need, but the Holy Spirit does. And he'll take my words and he'll personalize it and he'll speak to you. And sometimes it's not even my words. Sometimes it's, it's not even about the, the words that I'm saying, but you, you're sitting there and the Holy Spirit's moving because when we preach the gospel, the power of God is activated. And when the power of God is activated, he's using everything for his good. And I'll, I might be preaching and I'm stumbling over my words and I'm stuttering and the Holy Spirit might speak to you as like, I need to, that guy's not perfect. He's not the most articulate guy, but at least he's walking and what he feels like his calling is, you need to step out. You need to get, start walking your calling. See, the Holy Spirit could say that. And it could be nothing about what I am speaking, but he's active and he's working when we're preaching the gospel message. God power is activated through the proclamation of the gospel and the Holy Spirit will begin to give you boldness and confidence and he'll begin to speak through you and speak through your life and speak through your actions. There's another great example of this in scripture when Peter and John were released from the Sanhedrin. They were there and they were defending the gospel and they were preaching the gospel and, and defending it in the Sanhedrin and Here's what scripture says in Acts 4. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It was shaken. After they prayed, the physical place was shaking. God showed up in a supernatural way and shook the building they were in. And they were all, say all, filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. See, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God boldly. It wasn't their persuasive words. It wasn't their knowledge. It wasn't their intellect. It was the word of God and the Holy Spirit gave them the power to speak it boldly. And I wanted us to note that they were all filled. This is significant. There were some of the disciples that were there were in Acts 2. Remember Acts 2? The Holy Spirit fell and they were all filled. Well, John and Peter were in Acts 2. But here they are again, being filled again. See, we need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit, church. 
It's not just a one-time event. We need to seek the Holy Spirit and ask him to fill us each and every day. Because what was happening? They were pouring out. They were pouring out. They were at the Sanhedrin. They were preaching. They were defending. So now they were empty. So they were like, you know what? I'm empty. Uh, uh, let's go gather our, uh, our believers around and let's pray together. And as they prayed, the Holy Spirit fell on them and they were filled again. We need to be filled again and again and again. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith as the Spirit speaks to us. He guides us, he leads us, he empowers us. We are to live a spirit-filled life. There are a lot of you right now, and you might recognize right now, you need more of the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled. Some of you, you've been pouring out, you've been serving, you've been busy doing the work of the ministry, you've been witnessing to your friends and You're tired and you're weary. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you here, you you, you have a major decision ahead of you. And you don't know what to do. You need the Holy Spirit to direct you. You need the Holy Spirit. You don't need advice and wisdom from man. You need the Holy Spirit. Some of you here... And you know people in your life and they don't know Christ. And you've never mentioned anything about Jesus. Well, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you, to give you boldness and confidence to share that good news with them. And some of you here, you may even be trapped in sin. You've fallen into some sort of sin and maybe I haven't mentioned it this morning, but... Holy Spirit has convicted you. He knows about it. Maybe he's trapped you in sin. Well, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you out of that sin. And only him can guide you out of that sin. Thanks for listening to the GKM Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and resources to help you grow in your faith, head to gkm.church/grow.